Hello, I'm Father Mitch Pacwa, and welcome to EWTN Live, where we bring you guests from around the world. And today, by the way, is the feast of the presentation of the child Jesus and the purification of Our Lady, two sides of the same feast and the same event. And we celebrate this because St. Simeon had proclaimed Christ is this light, something that our Lord would say about himself during the public ministry. And we want Jesus, our Lord, to be the light of our lives. And in part of that, there is the need for a lively spiritual life so that your light shines from within you and is enough spiritual oil to keep it going. Now, a lot of people are experiencing a spiritual dryness. Their prayer life is very dry. Some people feel like the relationship with Christ is languishing. And I think that's partly why a lot of people are thinking, you know, maybe I'm none. I'm not any religion at all. And we have to take a look at the various areas of our lives where there are times of dryness and languishing spiritual life. Now, there can be a lot of reasons for it. Some of the reasons may be out of our control. Then again, there may be a few things that we have within our own grasp to improve with the right knowledge and right understanding to come to a deeper and more lively spiritual life with Christ. Tonight is a good time to begin looking at our circumstances, our actions and habits, in order to find the grace that God wants to give each one of us to help us get out of our spiritual slump. Our guest tonight is a lawyer by trade, He's also a permanent deacon at Good Shepherd Parish in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. He has written a book that helps us understand why we get into spiritual slumps in our lives. He also points out it's something that happens to everyone at different times. But his book also helps us work with the graces that God gives us to restore happiness, and holiness to our souls, to give us interior peace, and get us moving in the right direction with our Lord Jesus. It's, the book is called Spiritual Excellence, The Path to Happiness, Holiness, and Heaven. So please welcome Deacon Richard Eason. Deacon, welcome. Thank you very much for having me today. Great to have you, great to have you, and happy feast day. Yes, sir. Um, you are dealing with something that I think touches on the lives of a lot of people. Um, I keep hearing about study after study of these present months in last couple of years. People are feeling a lot of anxiety, depression, loneliness. They're isolated uh, in many places, especially elderly folks who 
are at higher risk for the COVID infections and the dangers of COVID. But to live, they have to isolate. And then they wonder, why am I living? Why am I bothering? It, it's, a lot of this is going on. I don't know if you've seen some of this in your own ministry and service. Yes, sir. Uh, in my law practice day to day and also working as a deacon, I have the opportunity to visit in nursing homes and hospitals and homeless shelters on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I see that among our staff and our law firm and among clients and witnesses and people are struggling day to day and all of these things are robbing them of their joy, happiness and peace in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there has to be some remedy for all of this. And, and really that's the premise of, of this book on spiritual excellence. Uh, we see often think about excellence in many forms of life, whether it be in medicine, when you go to the doctor, you want to make sure that he takes care of you. Do you want him to follow medicine excellence? Yeah. And the same thing is true in education with our teachers. We want them to practice uh, excellence in teaching students or engineers who design buildings um, or the people that put on this show. They have to follow certain standards of excellence. But we seldom and think about And despite that, they still let me on the show, but that's another <laughs> issue. <laughs> You're exactly right. But we seldom think about that in our spiritual journey. We sometimes uh, go to Mass maybe on Sunday, pray now and then, but spiritual excellence is a daily practice, much like we do things in our ordinary life on a daily basis, whether we eat every day or take care of ourselves. What are we doing about our souls on a spiritual basis? Mm -hmm. And that's the real premise here, that we're trying to restore people away from the challenges of today's world of fear, anxiety, and stress, uh, doubts in your faith, uh, temptation and sin, mm -hmm. and channel that energy instead of on the negative aspects of life, on the positive side of spiritual excellence. We've also are living at a time, this is where your book is a challenge, because there are various ideologues who attack the existence of God, the usefulness of religion, and besides those ideologues, we've also seen in the last couple of years some politicians who are, in my opinion, rather foolish, kept liquor stores and marijuana stores open but closed down churches. And I think that indicates a priority in the minds of those politicians that religion, it doesn't matter, but people need a drink or, or, or a hit of marijuana. Uh, they don't need religion, you know, but that, that's, they can do that at home, but they, they got to get something to calm down. You're saying that the grace of God is what we need. That's one of the key points here. Yes, sir. That's, uh, that's really the key to all aspects of life. And these experiences I've had as an attorney in courtrooms, uh, meeting with hundreds of witnesses, thousands of cases, many clients, and talking with people in nursing homes and hospitals and homeless shelters. Mm -hmm. When you can spend time with them focusing on their spirituality, all those other things go by the wayside. And I remember I was in a, a nursing home with Miss Ethel, and mm -hmm. uh, she was really struggling, could barely communicate. And I would pray with her and I'd bring the Eucharist to her. 
and she, her face showed so much pain when I gave her the Eucharist and prayed with her and she focused on the spirituality. The joy and smile was on her face. It was astounding. Yeah. And, and that's the same thing when you visit with people about their spiritual journeys. You yeah. can see them leave behind the challenges of the world and, and you can bring that joy back to them when they focus on their spiritual mm -hmm. journey. Yeah. Even when I'm, you know, counseling married couples who are experiencing stresses related to many of these contemporary issues, beginning with prayer makes a huge difference in the way the counseling moves forward and the peace that God gives. Now, this is a goal. Um, what are some of the means that... that so that people can say, okay, I, I see the problem. Now, what do I do? How do I find some of this peace? How do I seek the grace sure, of God? Sure. In this book on spiritual excellence, we talk about the issues that you've just suggested and raised are challenging to people. But we also spend considerable time talking about the remedies. Mm -hmm. And the, the first remedy, yeah. there's a number of remedies in the book, but the first one talks about learning to pursue spiritual excellence. And this concept of spiritual excellence dates back to the time of St. Paul when he wrote about it in Corinthians and Philippians in his letters to those people of the time. Mm -hmm. And he really emphasized the importance of excelling in all aspects of your faith as the way to have continuous joy, happiness, and peace in your soul. So the first remedy is to learn what spiritual excellence is all about. And the first chapter on remedies focuses on that. Okay. What would you say in, in basic form um, is how you define spiritual excellence? What does that mean? Well, it really revolves around how you spend your time each day. Mm -hmm. um, do you spend time in prayer? Do you spend time in spiritual development? Or is your time focused on encouraging others and not mm -hmm. thinking about yourself? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you in your day-to-day -day activities and your thoughts, actions, and words? Are you allowing the will of Jesus to control your life and not your own? Mm -hmm. And all these concepts are covered in this book and from quotes from scripture, quotes from the great spiritual writers, mm -hmm. the saints, the popes, the catechism of the church. So mm -hmm. the emphasis on your spirituality and away from the difficulties that can take you off your spiritual game, if you will, your spiritual life. That brings out one of the points. You mentioned how this pursuit of spiritual excellence goes back to St. Paul. And one might even say that shows up in the Sermon on the Mount. You yes, know, sir. When you're supposed to be holy as your Heavenly Father is right. holy. Um, and perfect is your heavenly Father is perfect. So, um, so we've got it in the beginning, but that's the other part of this. It's been an ongoing pursuit that uh, throughout the history of the church, that's where all of these quotations from the past uh, help us because at each stage, of human history and history of the church, there are new challenges. It was one thing to be living at the time of the Roman persecutions. It was another thing to live in the time of the legalization of Christianity and acceptance, 
Then you had new challenges from those who had secularized the church. And then you had barbarian invasions and um, all, just a series of problems throughout the history of the church. Nazi oppression, communist oppression in modern times. At each stage, these saints have wisdom, correct? Absolutely. And one of the parts of the book, we cover the lives of 10 saints and mm -hmm. talk about their spiritual journeys and how they were living a life of spiritual excellence every day. Mm -hmm. There are segments on uh, St. Therese of Lusso, uh, St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, St. Father Padre Pio, St. Teresa of Calcutta, and several others. Mm -hmm. And we quote from their own writings on how they managed these challenges in their own times. Mm -hmm. Um, and as you look back on the great spiritual writers, which are reflected in this book as well, they talk about how to manage the, the challenges of the day. Mm -hmm. Because the challenges, as you point, in the time of Christ were different than those in the Middle Ages, than those in modern times. Nevertheless, they were the same type of things that can take us off our spiritual journey in life and put us on the wrong side of joy, happiness, and peace. Instead, we're caught in this malaise of worry and fear and stress and when we can just by some effort think about it like this father if you could take the time you spend worrying every day and put it in the context of your spiritual journey use that time in growing your spirituality each day it's a game changer yeah. your life has changed forever and think about the impact that you can have in your family in your workplace among your friends among your neighbors and everybody you communicate with and I was blessed to spend the time with you yesterday afternoon and early evening, and that's the life you live every day, and, and you're living spiritual excellence. And that joy is sitting right there in front of us. All we have to do is take a look at some concepts that we haven't seen before yeah. in, in, in a con combined way or condensed way like it is in, in this book. Part of my concern in contemporary life, uh, and, and it's been going on now for the last two, three years, is that a lot of folks in the media, uh, particularly some of the news media, and folks in politics keep emphasizing the things you should be afraid of, and uh, some of which you can contribute to improvement, some of which is beyond your control, and yet you feel anxiety and it becomes a distraction from seeking Christ and the holiness and excellence our Lord wants us to have. And I, I keep hearing how young people today are becoming frozen in a certain amount of fear and anxiety over global warming that reminds me exactly of the kind of anxiety I saw among my high school students in the 70s who were just filled with fear over nuclear annihilation. They're always afraid because of the news and then they just were giving up and now it's global warming and they're feeling this fear. Instead of the kind of hope and idealism that looks forward to, I'm going to do something to make this a better world. I fear that that is being sapped by forces that are tempting us to fear. Well, when you think about our world today, so many people are striving for power and control 
over those around them. And they try to do that by fear, uh, demonstrating anxiety in the lives of others, trying to manipulate them in some way. Mm -hmm. And we can resist that temptation. We don't have yeah. to listen to the news all day, every day. Yeah. Spend some of that time in your spiritual journey and you'll see that the wisdom that comes and the guidance from the Holy Spirit when you spend time in your spiritual journey truly is get you off that anxiety feeling mm -hmm. of those around you who are trying to manipulate you and control, control you. The best example I can explain to you is we sit in the back of church or stand in the back of church before we process in on Saturdays and Sundays. Mm -hmm and people are clamoring to get in the church, they're rushing in there, they've got this anxious look on their faces, and they spend an hour in Mass on Sunday or Saturday evenings. They partake of the, the bread of the strong, the Eucharist, and the joy on people's faces when they leave Mass. It's just amazing because they've dedicated an hour to their spirituality. Yeah. Imagine if you could take that day to day yes. and make that part of your life you drowned out all that worrisome things that are going on around us. And focus on the time uh, that we have with our Lord. And that is a true game changer in your life every day. I've seen it mm -hmm. with thousands of people through, all, through 40 years of law practice and 10 years as a deacon. Just that time and that commitment. You have to make that commitment, but when you do, it's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal, the difference it makes in your life. One of the things you also describe, uh, two things that I think are obviously strongly connected, you talk about making an inventory of your spiritual life, correct? Correct. And, that you, and you also recommend confession as one of the antidotes to making mistakes, because this is another element of our society today. Not only do they encourage fear and anxiety over everything, they also are incapable of forgiveness. If you do something they dislike, you're canceled. Yes, sir. Even if it is an intellectual difference rather than a, a sinful uh, choice. Uh, if it's something that you disagree with them academically or um, in terms of a, a, a position in politics or something, you get canceled. And if you do something wrong, years ago, they cannot forgive, all of which adds to the anxiety that I have to help cancel these people that are bad and maybe I'm going to get canceled. You know, Yes. This, we're, this is not what the inventory is about, nor confession. Yeah, sure. I'll Explain that. Yeah, spiritual self-audit is what we call it. Uh, mm -hmm. In all kinds of businesses, there are accountants who audit your business, or they uh, football organizations audit their teams every year to improve yes. their performance. Mm -hmm. Hospitals do the same to improve their performance. Mm -hmm. Here, what about a spiritual self-audit? And in our book, we identify 13 issues that are common to just about everybody, mm -hmm. whether it's fear, stress, and anxiety, or doubts in your faith, or temptation and sin, or you're concerned about making decisions, mm -hmm. or you're having, struggling with suffering of some kind, or you have uh, challenges with forgiveness of others. Mm -hmm. You do this spiritual self-audit, and there's a chapter on every one of these that talks about uh, these issues. It quotes from scripture, 
the writings of the saints, and it gives you the meat that you need to get past it, to get it behind you. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, Father, confession. And I can tell you a true story as a sinner. Um, I started going to confession. I was a traditional Catholic, kind of went as a kid, now and then in college, now and then later on. But many years ago, I started to go every month. Mm-hmm. And when you have to go to the confessional every month and tell the priest the same thing over and over again, it's like, man, do I have to keep doing this kind of conduct? How am I going to get past that? Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, as you continue to do this, you get past it. God gives you the grace to walk away from your greatest weaknesses. And that's the real joy of spending time in confession because you have the honest admission of your sins. You're asking forgiveness. And why can't you translate that forgiveness to your own life and the way you look at others? Mm-hmm. To your point, yeah, we don't have to cancel out people from our lives um, because they did something wrong. Jesus gives us forgiveness. Why can't we have the same forgiveness of others? As, as a matter of fact, we are not called by our Lord to cancel the sinners in our lives. A, there'd be nobody left. <laughs> Me and you. <laughs> yeah, no, ask my confessor. He yeah. can't say anything, but wouldn't be me either. Yeah. And um, then we, we uh, it, the other side of it that I also have even more stories than you about confession, but I can't say anything. Yeah. But I do see the that what you what you mentioned before about the Eucharist, how people come in filled with anxiety, and as they take time to worship God and then receive Christ, there's a peace. Well, I also sense some of the anxiety and embarrassment that people have with confessing sometimes the same thing or Sometimes new things are pretty embarrassing, but then they confess and receive absolution and there's a peace that comes to them. That's the joy of hearing confessions, that as a person takes responsibility for the things they do, they don't blame their parents, they don't blame society, they don't tell their neighbor's sins or their spouse's sins. Yeah. They tell their own sins and take responsibility for it. There's a peace that Christ gives. And at the other hand, too, and, and this is a trick of the evil spirit. You know, the word shatan in Hebrew uh, and diabolos in Greek refers to accuse. I don't know if you knew this, but the word diabolos, devil, mm-hmm. is the Greek word for prosecuting attorney. <laughs> Love that. That's now, cool. on, the, <laughs> on the other side, paraclete is sometimes called counselor because it was a defense lawyer. So you have Jesus called our paraclete, in the first epistle of John, chapter 2, verse 1, you have a paraclete, Jesus Christ, before the Father, and the Holy Spirit is a paraclete. So you have two lawyers on our side Amen. who are God. Yeah. And then, uh, and of course, one of our paracletes, one of our lawyers, his father's the judge. Yes, this sir. Is a, <laughs> but, but the devil is the one who wants us to stay in guilt 
and shame. A lot of people will talk about, oh, Catholic guilt, you know, is, is so bad, or Jewish guilt, you know, or, or they'll even say Protestant guilt okay. now. You know, and they're confusing the movement of the devil who's trying to keep us in guilt and guilt feelings rather than the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin but leads us to reconciliation and peace. This is a big difference. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, uh, when you leave confession and you spend a few minutes uh, thinking about where you've been and where you're going, the joy and peace is beyond what you can experience on, on a regular basis. And mm -hmm. that's why confession is so important. It's why mass is so important. It's why focusing on your spiritual journey is so important every day. And mm -hmm. one of the key things of this book is, so many books we read today, you pick up a few concepts and, um, and they stay with you for a while and then maybe sometimes they stay with you permanently or they leave you. But in this book, we have a section on developing an individual spiritual plan that you can utilize every day so that you maintain that spirituality in that journey every day. And it has several components to it, including attending mass and confession, uh, focusing on your prayer life, mm -hmm. time with your family, mm -hmm. um, spiritual reading to continue to mature and grow. Because mm -hmm. as you know from the many books that you've written and the many books that you've read, you're evolving in, in your continuous ministry practice uh, mm -hmm. every day. How do we, can we get involved in the church? Um, what can we do in our communities? Um, how can we fast from certain things that are our weaknesses? Mm -hmm. And probably the, the best part of an individual spiritual plan is getting rid of that greatest weakness in your soul, putting it on the sidelines and away from your life. And if you follow this individual spiritual plan on a daily basis, it's the game changer. It truly is a spiritual game changer. And you can get ahead of all these challenges in the world that are robbing us of our joy and happiness. Mm -hmm. I saw in walking into the building today, they have the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Mm -hmm. And she has her feet on the devil pushing him out of her life and out of the world. And, uh, and that's what a focus on spirituality, spiritual excellence on a daily basis, exercising your spiritual plan uh, can change your life. One, one of the things that um, I also know, and this is something of an image, but it's, I think, relevant. You know, throughout COVID, Many of us have gotten just a little extra chubby. Yes, Gyms sir. were closed. Yes, sir. And, you know, the uh, people were not going to the usual routine at work. They were working at home, sitting at their desk. A lot of students were not going to school. They were not having recess with other kids. Um, you know, so this is... And there is also a certain spiritual chubbiness that is taking on a, a kind of a, a, a comfortable mediocrity that I'm not going to stay at fighting weight. I'm not going to, um, you know, work on, um, you know, making myself excellent. I'm okay. In fact, we, I remember we had a uh, coffee mug at a community I lived in in Dallas and it was playing with transactional analysis on the cup. It said, I'm okay, you're okay, yeah. 
he's kind of so-so. But a lot of people are, you know, okay with just being okay. That's not the message of your book. No, that, that is a great concept, spiritual chubbiness. Uh, yeah. It's a good way to say it. It's, uh, it's another way of describing maybe a little bit of just accepting the challenges of the world, and that's part of my life, and I can't get rid of it, so I'm just going to live in that way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's a better way. And uh, when you focus on your spirituality on a regular basis, it's, it changes the joy happiness in your life. Yeah. And one of the reasons uh, that we all see, if you're the patriarch of your family, or the matriarch of your family, or are you very involved with your brothers and sisters, if you're living that spirituality, everybody wants what you have. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants what Father Mitch has. They want that daily joy, happiness, and peace in their lives. Right. So by, by living this life, getting away from spiritual chubbiness, um, you're building a phenomenal life for yourself. Yeah. And joy becomes just part of the way you live every day. Yeah. We need to take a little break. We're going to come back in a couple of minutes to continue talking about what spiritual excellence means and how we can become that light in the world going forward to help ourselves and our neighbors. So please stay with us. Right, we are discussing a book called Spiritual Excellence, The Path to Happiness, Holiness, and Heaven. It was written by Deacon Richard Eason and is available at EWTNRC.com. It's our religious catalog, EWTNRC.com, where it is item number 8274. Okay. Get back to talking to Deacon Easton here. Deacon, um, one of the points that you bring out is uh, an alternative to the 401k. Uh, I don't have any idea what that K stands for, (laughs) uh, but I don't have one of those as far as I know. Oh, you know, I just I give all my money away. Right. But the um, you change it to a 401s. Yes, sir. What are you talking about? Yeah, they, we're all familiar with um, 401k plans where employers have them in place, uh, and you're trying to save money for your retirement. People yes. are living longer, and the federal government has set up a way to save money and don't pay taxes right. during the time you're earning income. Well, the 401s plan is... Your, your 401 spirituality plan. Mm-hmm. And unlike the 401k plan where you work so hard to save money and sometimes lose your way because you're so focused on earning money, you miss out on the spirituality in life. What about having a 401s plan, a 401 spirituality plan where you're building up instead of money, you're building up things in your spirituality journey in life that mm-hmm. Jesus is going to look at when he calls each one of us to judgment day. Will your resume and your spirituality plan be empty? 
Uh, will it be page after page after page of good works that you've done in your lifetime? Have you changed the lives of others through the life that he blesses you with in this life? So what does your 401S plan looks like? Mm -hmm. And if you sit down and spend 15 minutes trying to write down the things in your spiritual journey where you've made a difference for others, and if it's a short list, um, maybe it's time to shift some of your emphasis on your spirituality plan and that's in a way from maybe your 401k wealth buildup plan. Well, that gets at the very basic issue our Lord brings up, as we mentioned before, in the Sermon on the Mount, when he asks, where's your treasure? Are you building exactly. up treasure in heaven or is it here on earth where moth can eat and rust consume and thieves can steal? Um, I mean, as nice as a 401k sounds with the, as a tax plan, um, eventually the government finds some way to take the taxes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty good at that. Yeah. Uh, and even if you pay tax on something, they add another tax when you die and your kids try to inherit something. Right. You know, so they, they, they want your stuff. Uh, and they want to be in charge of redistributing, not you. Um, whereas our Lord allows us to build up treasure in heaven that moth cannot eat nor rust destroy and no thief can take it away. It's truly eternal treasure. And that's what you're describing here, no? Yes, sir. Um there's a funny story that relates to this, and I lead off the chapter in the book about this. There was a gentleman who uh, spent his life accumulating wealthy items, whether it be houses or boats or uh, trips or things of that nature. And he told his wife he wanted to be buried with all of his money. So when it came time when he passed away, his wife put a check in there, <laughs> and uh, and he, so he wanted to be buried with all his money. In the meantime, she had the value of all of his assets yes. in life. Yes. But the point of all that is uh, what we're looking at in the real world of life is what's going to survive our lives here? We can't take it with us, but we our yeah. earthly things, but we can take our spiritual things that we've done in our lifetime. What have you done with your family to make a wholesome life? What have you done in the workplace to treat people with respect, grow the business you're working in? What are you doing among your neighbors? Uh, are you the kind of neighbor that helps out one another when they have needs, or you just go in your house and close the door and ignore everybody else in the outside world. These are the things, are you involved in ministry? Are you involved in making a difference in the community? Think about that 401S plan and what it looks like. So rather than focusing on I have stocks in this company or that company, what does my 401S plan look in all these different ways? And you'll find that the joy of building your 401S plan way out rivals anything related to your 401k plan. One of the, uh, a good example would be the contrast between the Egyptians and the Israelites. The pharaohs would put all kinds of rich treasures in their tombs and it'd be just r r all kinds of wonderful beautiful things that uh, that they hope to take with them to the next life and including little um, dolls 
that would be their slaves. And they, uh, Ushabtis, they were called. So they put them in their tombs. And out of all the pharaohs, because the, the pharaon, pharaonic Egypt went from 3500 BC all the way until the, you know, Cleopatra. She was the last of the pharaohs. And only one tomb was found intact. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Everything else, and that was King Tut. We thought, oh, that's pretty good stuff, and he was a young king. Whereas, in contrast, the Israelites bury you naked. They put a sheet on you, and that's why Job says, naked I came into this world, naked I go out. And, and he was a really wealthy man. He knew he couldn't take it with him. This is an important conscience. Are we going to try to pretend to be like the Egyptians? Or are we going to accept the reality of life with God like the Israelites? This is a very key. And when you think about that concept of like the Israelites did, and that goes back thousands of years, mm -hmm. um, people have been juggling my, their spiritual journey that way. Do I spend my time focusing on things I can't take with me? Or do I spend my time focusing on things that will count in the next life? Yeah. And along with the way we started this discussion, we're robbed of peace, joy, and happiness because of the anxieties of the world. But when you shift your time and emphasis on giving back, uh, thinking about others, not thinking about yourself, and building up your log, if you will, of spiritual activities, boy, that joy overwhelms you. And you will never go back to the other way of life. Yeah. Even when you're tempted to go back, you realize that, man, I can't get back to that place of misery. I want to stay in the place of joy and happiness and peace in my life. So you're constantly looking for ways to make a difference, even in the simple things around you, picking up things in your house, doing something for your spouse or your children, doing something for someone who's struggling at work, or you've got a friend who really needs some help, giving them some time, picking up the phone and talking to someone, driving over their house. All these little ways are building up your spiritual uh, plan for your journey to the next life to be with Jesus in heaven. And it's amazing when you look back, as you've studied theology and taught theology for many years, you watch the generations after generations after generation, and we just can't seem to get it. But in, if you focus on spiritual excellence, we get it. The message is, change the way you look at things and bring that natural joy that comes to you. Think about it this way, Father. Yeah. My wife and I have often said, my wife Rosalind helped me a lot with this book. She was a writer for the local newspaper and mm -hmm. edited it. We always said the golden time in life was when you're five years old. You don't know worry. You don't know stress. You don't know anxiety. All you know every day is joy and happiness. New things are coming into your life in school. You hang out with your friends in the neighborhood. You're going to birthday parties. You're getting started in activities. And all you know is joy. We can live that way now all the way through life, whether you're in your 20s, your 30s, 80s, 90s, however old you are, because the little ones are focused on their spiritual journey. They're not caught up in all of the anxieties and yeah. the frustrations of the world. And it's yeah. such a beautiful concept. That's it, an important, very important element. One of the other things that I think we need to reflect on, too, and you, you bring it out, um, while we are uh, very much in need of making a commitment 
and a focus on our ultimate goal, which is to get to heaven and have treasure in heaven and be with our Lord for all eternity. We're made for that. That's why the Lord has created us to spend eternity, which is a lot longer than this life. Even if you live to be a hundred, that's nothing compared to eternity. And you want to make the commitment to that, but there's also the other side, which is namely that we also have to have a clear sense of the grace that God gives us to be able to do spiritual inventory, to develop our spiritual life. This is not an effort by us picking ourselves up our bootstrap. Um, I've got bootstraps, you know, <laughs> my boots, and you know, I can put my boot on, but it's not the same as my spiritual life. What is the role of grace and the role of the Holy Spirit in making this spiritual life possible? The amazing thing about that concept is this. When I was in my early 30s, I was really struggling in life. I was in a law practice where the cases were beyond my level of experience. We had three young boys at home and the challenges of raising them. My father had been in the hospital with open heart surgery and diabetes. They cut off one of his legs and I had a family member who was in a detox unit. I, my head was just spinning. I was out of control. I was lost. I was caught into anxiety and worry and fear was running my life. So through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, um, the Lord kept telling me to, I want you to outline the New Testament. So I sat down for the course of a year and would take a few chapters a week and just outline and mm -hmm. listen to the Holy Spirit in my life. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I had clarification on how to manage the illness in my family, how to manage it being the best father I could and husband I could, how to deal with the conflicts that come in law practice and a litigation setting. The Holy Spirit took over my soul and began to control me because my emphasis was not on the anxieties of the world, but the Holy Spirit in our lives. And all of us have that opportunity every day if we pray to the Holy Spirit and allow those graces that you're talking about to come in and mm -hmm. just take over. Because the Holy Spirit can run your soul if you allow Him to do that. And so the Holy Spirit just needs to be the biggest part of what you do every day. And that's why the focus is on spiritual excellence. Because mm -hmm. when you dedicate yourself to that, you get those great graces, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit um, becomes part of your life. And there's a whole chapter called uh, focusing on the Holy Spirit and putting Him at work in your soul. Mm -hmm. when, one of the experiences I, I have in looking back over life is, um, you know, it, at a lot of times of struggle, it seems like I'm doing it all. You know, that it's all my effort. It, it feels like that. And, and there are times where you just have to say, let God be in charge, you know. Amen. More. And then in retrospect, when I look back on it with utter amazement, that I said, I hardly did anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, it was really all God's grace. Sometimes in, in the moment, it seems like we're struggling to do this, but reflection on past difficulties helps us see eh, this was God's actions. 
We have a whole chapter on uh, adversity and conflict in your mm -hmm. life and how do you deal with that? Yeah. And we lay out some fundamental steps to deal with that because as you go through life, even when you're on this spiritual journey, you're going to run into some adversity and some challenges along the way. Yeah. But how do you deal with those things? How do you yeah. manage them? How do you uh, get your arms around them and focus in on what is God calling me to do in this situation? And sometimes you have to stop, put the brakes on, pray about it. The Holy Spirit will always give you the answer, and then you carry it out. And as you're carrying it out, he talks to you day to day, minute to minute as you're going through things. I can't tell you the number of trials I've been in. I had one case that went on for a trial for a month where there's $100 million on the line and 400 jobs on the line. And every day I had to rely on the Holy Spirit guiding me through each situation of how to deal with witnesses, rulings from the court, and really learned how the Holy Spirit can help you and all that you do and all these little challenges that come your way because they're going to be there and when you're focused on that journey of your spirituality you can manage them and turn them into something powerful and as you said you look back on it, you go how did this happen yeah. why did it happen this way and you go yeah. I didn't have anything to do with that yeah. it was all the Holy Spirit giving you that guidance and direction that helped you get through that time I, I don't think we can you know neglect the fact that life is hard, it's, there, there, it is, you know, a challenge. But, you know, our Lord has made us capable of taking on the challenges of life and the graces that He gives us help us to do that. Uh, one of my colleagues here at the network has a great bumper sticker. It's a quote by John Wayne said, life is hard. And it's really hard if you're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like John Wayne. Yeah, it does. Uh, and um, you know, but you know, this is where spiritual wisdom is, and that's what you're talking about here. It's not just knowing stuff. It's a wisdom, and you know a lot as a lawyer about the law, but there's also wisdom about understanding how people are, how circumstances are, how the law works. I mean, that takes wisdom to reflect. And the same is true of our spiritual life. It's, I know I'm supposed to go to Mass on Sunday, I should go to confession at least once a year, but more often is better. And I know all that, and I should read the Bible, but there's a wisdom that helps make this inventory of one's life possible and then the sensitivity to God's grace to act on the graces He gives me. This is a very important part of what you're describing, I think. Yes, sir. Um, when you think about the concept of wisdom, it's defined as having self-discipline in your life. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we're talking about here. If you have that spirituality in your life, you have that wisdom. And we were talking a little bit earlier about the Holy Spirit in our lives. The gift, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is wisdom. Mm -hmm. And you get that wisdom that you need in the situations that come across your day. So often in life we're riding along and things are pretty smooth, right? And all of a sudden you hit this boom, this huge bump. And how are we going to manage that? Well, you get that wisdom from the Holy Spirit. And the other uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, understanding and knowledge of how mm -hmm. to deal with situations, the courage to manage them. And then the fruits of the Holy Spirit of joy, happiness, and peace, and self-control, 
So yeah. oftentimes we get anxious about things and we say things or do things that we regret later. But when the Holy Spirit is at work in your soul and the graces are working there, you get that phenomenal self-control. I remember you telling me about your experience with Mother Angelica and how she had this great self-control and calmness and patience about yeah. herself. She really had the power of the Holy Spirit at work in her soul because she could see it every day. You saw her wisdom and her courage and dealing with the challenges of her failing life uh, body and was giving her a hard time and her health later on in life. But she always maintained that uh, great joy and happiness because she had that Holy Spirit at work in her soul. Well, another component of your book is that to help make it more concrete, you give a number of modern saints. You know, besides, you have lots and lots of quotes from the scripture and the history of the church, but you have contemporary saints like uh, Padre Pio and uh, Mother Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And uh, these saints also had difficult lives, but they learned this peace. They, they, they had this spiritual excellence and this interior peace. And you talk a lot about them toward the end of the book as examples for us. Sure. We had some uh, great experiences with St. Teresa of Calcutta, St. Mother Teresa. Mm -hmm. um, one of the coolest things in studying her life, I have in my, uh, at home in my closet, I have these, all these like trading cards people have with baseball cards that have images of saints. And I pray to them regularly for intercessions. But in studying the life of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, she adopted the, the same concept that Our Lady did about saying yes to Jesus. When uh, St. Teresa was actually the principal of a school she came down with tuberculosis and had to leave for that job and try to recover. And along the way, she was on a train ride to the Himalayas to recover. And she kept getting the calling from God, I want you to leave and go to the slums of India and make a difference there. And she said, yes, she couldn't turn that off. And rather than living the simple life of being a principal in a school, she took on the challenges of the slums of Calcutta and she formed the Missionaries of Charity, which is a huge organization around the world. Yeah. Uh, or St. Therese of Lousseau, who only lived to be age 24 and lived a cloistered life um, in, the, in the convent. Um, she spent her life just focusing on doing the little things that she says her little way. And she said, all I am is a ball in the hand of Jesus to do whatever he wants me to do. Mm -hmm. And she talked about a real simple philosophy of how to be a saint. She said, you have to deny your very self, always seek out the most perfect thing to do, and be willing to suffer at times in your life. So it's these kinds of inspirations. You can see that all of these saints we write about here have this life of spiritual excellence. And they lived away from anxiety and worry and, and those kinds of challenges because they took on this spiritual journey and they were living it every day. And, you know, a, a little quote from Melangel, she, she had said to me once, said, you know, I have a lot of faith in Jesus but my stomach doesn't always know it. <laughs> and there's the sense in which, you know, we, we also have to say, okay, I, I feel as I'm not one of the saints yet. You know, I don't have this complete composure and spiritual peace yet. I am dealing with anxiety. Okay, but this is what I bring to our Lord. 
it's not that I have to pretend that it's not there. The pretending that reality isn't real is never a good idea on the psychological, yet alone on the spiritual level. You have to deal with reality and do so with the perspective on God that helps give you context for your life. I, I, one of the things that strikes me, again, in our contemporary world, um, most of the comedians that I see in the media are non-believers. And the best they can muster is cynicism about life, but they don't have real sense of humor. Funnier people are believers. That's why there used to be so many Jewish comedians and now a lot of Catholic comedians. They come from a perspective of faith. Right. And God gives perspective on the stuff going around you and you can see the humor of life and yourself, whereas atheists have no humor at all. So it's at least not one that you laugh at. Um, so this is something that you deal with the reality, get God's perspective, and then come to holiness. Again, I want to re just make sure that we take a moment to recommend your book. It's called Spiritual Excellence, The Path to Happiness, Holiness, and Heaven. It's by Deacon Richard Eason and is available at EWTNRC.com where it is item number 8274, 8274. Um, I want to thank you for being with us, coming all the way from New Orleans uh, up here to Birmingham. Uh, by the way, so folks understand, one of your prisoners is our own Raymond Arroyo. Yes, sir. Yeah, 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 make him behave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with Mardi Gras coming. Yeah, yeah. Make him yeah, behave. Absolutely. Uh, but thank you very Father, much Father for Mitch, being real with us. Real to pleasure to be you. with you today. Good to have you. And I want to pray for you. May the Lord bless all of you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you. May the Lord lead you in all of your ways by His peace and grace. Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And we can bring you Deacon Eason and all of our other guests and programs only because the network was brought to you by you. That's how our Lord inspired Mother Angelica to structure this network. So please keep us in between your gas bill, your electric bill, and your cable bill and we'll pay our bills too. Thank you and God bless.